we are in the middle of a difficult, delicate, and yet crucial conversation asking the question, how is the Church of Jesus Christ called to go all in? How are we called to show up in this season of racial distress and racial division that has resurfaced in our nation and it's re-exposed some deep fault lines that lie in its very foundation? What does it look like for the church to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus in a season like this and uh, last time we were together we talked about the, the fact that whatever else it looks like for us to show up it must mean that we choose to love our neighbor as we love ourselves we must choose to actively help the person in pain on our path and in order to make that point, Jesus tells a poignant story in Luke chapter 10, a story about a man who is ambushed and he is robbed and he is beaten and he is left alone to die on the street. Three people come along and they see him in his pain and they see him in his brokenness. And yet only one of them does something to help him. And Jesus makes very clear that only the person who entered in and did something to help this man in his pain and in his brokenness will fall on the right side of history and will fall on the right side of heaven. If we are going to enter in, we must actively do something to help the person in pain on our path. And so we want to continue the conversation we started last time because we want to ask the question, okay, what does it look like to actively enter in and help the person in pain? And the first thing we saw last time was that, hey, it means we've got to learn to start with compassion. Start with compassion. When the Samaritan, the one man, saw this hurting man in the street, he asked the first question of a good neighbor. And that is the question, what might it be like if I were in your situation? Start with compassion. He asked the questions like, what would I feel if I were in your shoes? What would I hope for if I were in your situation. And whatever else it looks like to engage people in their pain on our path, it means we've got to resist the temptation to start any other place but the place of compassion. Jesus not only teaches this, Jesus lived this out. What might it look like for me to be a frail human being? and live in a broken world. Start with compassion. I'm telling you all in this season of racial tension and racial distress and racial division, heaven and history are joining voices and they are asking the church, what will you do to help those who are hurting in your path? And we want to say we will at least start with 
compassion. But yet here's the thing. True compassion always leads to action. And I don't have to tell you that. You know that. If we are called to love our neighbor the way we love ourselves, you would never do nothing about your own pain. You would do something about it. True compassion always leads to action. We start with compassion, but it cannot stop there. Good thoughts and, and good feelings and, and whatever else are no excuse not to take action because the heart of the command we are looking at is to actively help the person who is in pain on your path. Do something, no excuses. And I just want to pause real quick, by the way, and say that again for those in the back. Do something about the pain of people who are experiencing racial discrimination and racial mistreatment and racial injustice and racial inequality. Do something, no excuses. Compassion is always going to lead to action. And this has struck me quite a little bit um, especially in the church, that history in heaven will not care about our excuses or the reasons why we didn't do something. It has concerned me to hear a wave of Christian leaders giving the church excuses not to enter in and do something about the pain of the people in our path. What's even more than that, it's concerned me to hear Christian leaders using Jesus and the gospel as an excuse for the church's indifference and inaction. And here's how it sounds. Racism is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem, okay? And the answer to the racial division and, and discrimination and distress in our nation is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stop it. Stop it. What will heal this land is for pastors to stop hijacking their pulpits to talk about racism and go back to preaching Jesus. And I'm like, which Jesus? Which Jesus? Let's assume for a moment that we all preached Jesus so well. In fact, we preached him so accurately that Jesus decided to physically show up in our churches. What do you think he would say to us? He would say, go and do something about the hurts of the people who are experiencing racial distress and discrimination and mistreatment. He would tell us to go and do something about it. Don't forget, this is the same Jesus who said, go and do likewise. This is the same Jesus who said, I was in prison and you did nothing. I was hungry and you did nothing. 
I was thirsty, you did nothing. I was naked, you did nothing. I was homeless, you did nothing. This is the same Jesus who will enter in and tell his people, do something about the hurts of the people in your world. It concerns me when I hear th th this suggestion that we need to go back and somehow just preach Jesus. Jesus will tell us, to do something, if for no other reason, because he so loved this world that he did something about our pain and our plight. Or oh, I hear people talking about, we just need to go back to preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel. Other than the fact that the gospel is about Jesus coming to earth and doing something, let's put that aside for a second. It suggests that racism is the problem of the unbeliever and not the Christian. Woo. The people who have wounded me most racially are Christians. But besides that, if you study the passages of Scripture in the New Testament in which Paul addresses racial reconciliation, he addresses racial healing, he addresses racial unity, you will notice a theme. Those passages of Scripture are addressed to the church. They are addressed to people who've already been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please hear me. Please hear me. The gospel will not fix the problem of racism. The gospel will not help those who are hurting. What the gospel will do is it will raise up an army and fill them with the power of God and send them out to do something about the racial division and discrimination and about the hurts of the people in our path. And come on, we don't say this about some of the other crises in our world. Come on, church, we don't say just preach the gospel. And the abortion issue, the murder of children is going to just go away. No, we've got to do something empowered by the spirit of the living God. We don't say if you just preach the gospel to men, th th then they will stop abusing th their wives. We don't say that. We do something about it. We, we don't say just preach the gospel uh, to, to the 140 million orphans in crisis in our world. No, we, we do something about it. History and heaven are asking the question, what will the church do about the pain of the people in their path? The answer is obedience in light of the gospel that we've experienced. We ought to actively help the hurting in our world. All right, we've got to get back to this passage. And I think in this passage that we started looking at last week, uh, there are some practical thoughts on how 
we can do something, how we can show up actively in this season. So let me read Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 33. It's going to show up on your screen here in a moment. But a Samaritan, this is the guy who did something, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw the man broken and beaten and dying alone in the street, he took pity on him. He started with compassion. But compassion always leads to action. Verse 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you might have. I think we find some practical ways that we as a church can enter in, even into this tension and distress and division that's being experienced in this nation. Let me share some of the things that I, at least I noticed. I'd be curious to know what things you noticed as you read this passage of scripture. Here's the first thing I, I, I noticed. The invitation to engage without exception. Engage without Exception. Now, that might seem obvious, but I feel compelled to reinforce it still. The command to love your neighbor does not have an exception clause. That struck me as I read this passage of Scripture again. The Samaritan man is walking down the road, and when he sees this man in pain, he stops and chooses to engage. And it's almost as if the Spirit of God did that thing where he stopped me again and almost whispered, Kondo, what do you think the Samaritan man saw? Like, I, I know this one. I know this one. He saw a, a, a broken, beaten man dying alone in the street. Okay, and he saw, he saw a Jewish man broken and beaten and dying alone in the street. And, and he saw his Jewish oppressor, broken and beaten and dying alone in the street. He saw a man who represented years and years of abuse and mistreatment of his people, lying, broken and beaten, dying alone in the street. He saw his enemy dying alone in the street. 
Don't for a moment think that this Samaritan man was culturally or colorblind. He knew exactly who he was looking at when he saw the Jewish man in the street. Do you realize how powerful it is that he engaged him still? Because the command to love your neighbor has no exception clauses. Do something to help the person in pain in your path, regardless of who they are, regardless of their politic, regardless of their pigment, regardless of their past. Engage with no exception. This is a powerful moment here. The church must engage the people in our world who are hurting without excuse and without exception. What's concerning to me is whenever I see the church starting to make exceptions on whose pain we will enter in to help. I will engage your pain unless, no unless, no exceptions. If we want to see healing in this season, we have got to obliterate every exception and enter in to all pain. I saw that she was in pain. I knew she was hurting. But you know what I saw when I looked a little closer? She was wearing a Biden 2020 t-shirt. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. She represents years and years and years of pro-choice atrocities, surely heaven will understand if I make an exception. Yeah, I knew that he was lumped in and he was beaten down and he was feeling his dignity stripped away and I would have, but then I noticed, I, I kind of saw his Confederate flag underwear and I'm like, mm. No, surely heaven will understand if I make an exception because that represents pain in my own story. No exceptions. No exceptions. I would sit in their pain and I would do something about it, but you know, the Black Lives Matter organization is liberal and it's leftist. So therefore, heaven will understand. No exception. She's a rioter. He's a looter. So therefore, no exceptions. It seems like an obvious point, but church, if we don't get this, we don't play a part in being the solution in this season. Engage with no exceptions. The command of Jesus is to engage the hurting, regardless of pigment, regardless of politic, regardless of their past. I feel the urge 
to issue a warning. Be very, very careful not to entertain voices that tell you it's okay to make exceptions because he was a bad dude anyway. He was a bad guy anyway. George Floyd was a bad guy. Do you know the stuff he did? He's no hero. As if Jesus said, love your heroes, but he didn't. I'm just telling you, be very careful to listen to well-articulated voices that help you believe in any way that someone is an exception because of their past, because of their politic, because of their pigment, Whatever, the Samaritan man knew exactly what he was looking at. Not a hero, but that had nothing to do with his call to help him in his pain. Watch out. If you find yourself drawn to anyone who gives you an exception clause and helps you to feel justified for not doing anything to engage that pain. I'm telling you, turn off the news outlet that tells you you don't have to because those people, let me tell you what they're like. And these people, let me tell you what they're like. Please hear me. History and heaven will not abide by any exceptions that the church makes. I can prove to you that people of color are looting and burning. And, well, that's wrong. Yes, it is, but that does not make them an exception. You don't have to engage because the statistics that they are using are wrong. So therefore, their pain is no exceptions. Please hear me. People are going to try and give you all the reasons why someone is an exception. No exceptions. You don't have to love the law enforcement officer because you've seen what some of them have done. No exceptions. You don't have to engage their pain because they are the privileged ones. So their pain doesn't count. What? No exceptions. Engage each other's pain regardless of pigment or politic or past. My concern is we're spending so much time demonizing each other. And the reason we're doing that is to almost say if we can make people to be bad enough, we don't have to enter into their pain. And let me just tell you, by the way, I'm getting carried away. It's what I do. Um, demonizing people is a waste of time for the church. 
It is a waste of time and it is a waste of energy. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Let's assume that you can prove the Black Lives Matter are the worst and white privilege is the worst and law enforcement officers, they are the worst and George Floyd, he was the worst. Let's assume you can prove that all of these people are the worst of the worst. What do you think Jesus would say to us? Let me tell you exactly what Jesus would say. Are y'all done demonizing each other? Good, okay. Like I was saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And oh, by the way, your neighbor includes your enemy. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. It's a waste of time to demonize people because when you're done demonizing them, Jesus will say, love them anyway. No exceptions. And that includes, hear me, church, that includes Officer Chauvin. I pray the church will have an opportunity to extend the kind of grace that's been extended to us. What he did was wrong. What he did was criminal. But even he is no exception. Engage with no exception. I know I'm dragging this point on, but if the church doesn't get this, we will spend so much time giving ourselves reasons why someone shouldn't be loved or why their pain should not be helped. I love that the Samaritan entered in even though he knew exactly who he was looking at. Commit to loving with no exceptions and maybe start with the pain of the person you are most prone to exempt. Engage without exception. Okay, a few quicker observations. Um, if we're going to help the hurting in our path, we will need to learn to close the distance, close the distance. Um, there are two things you cannot do. You cannot love your neighbor and keep your distance. You can't do it. You cannot do both. You cannot choose to engage the person in pain and refuse to move towards them. Luke chapter 10, verse 34 says, he, the Samaritan, went to him. He moved towards him. Again, sounds like a simple thing, but how powerful in a season of racial discrimination and more than that, in a season of racial distance and division, how powerful would it be for the church to commit to closing the distance, to moving closer? 
I don't know how we think there'll be any healing or any reconciliation if we all decide we're gonna stand at our distance and we're gonna comment on social media and we're gonna say things about each other, but we won't enter in. We won't close the distance. Have you ever noticed um, what your instinct is when you, you know, bang your hand or stub your toe or hit your funny bone? Uh, your instinct is to move towards the point of pain, right? That's the way you actually care for yourself. You, you naturally move towards the point of pain. And the calling to love our neighbor means we have to learn to do that. If we're going to love our neighbor like we love ourselves, that's what we do for ourselves. And heaven would invite us move towards the point of their pain, not away from it and not at a distance. I believe heaven will smile most when I move towards pain. And I believe heaven will smile most when I move towards pain that is not like mine. This is powerful. For you to say, I, I'm a white man, and, and I, I just, I, I don't understand the cries of injustice from my black brothers and sisters. I will close the distance and move closer to the pain. I'm a black man. I don't understand what it's like to feel incriminated and shamed for being born white or having certain privilege. I'm going to move towards that pain. Oh, Satan would be so mad. He would be so mad as we start moving towards pain that doesn't look like and that doesn't feel like our pain. Because listen, if I just experience my own pain and I hang out with pain that looks like mine, we are, we are just going to fuel each other's pain. I can't speak for God, but I would not be surprised if God put the healing power for the white community in the hands of the black community and put the healing power for the black community in the hands of the white community and says to us, if y'all don't cross the street, y'all will stay broke. You better close the distance. You have what they need. They have what you need. Move towards each other's pain. Close the distance and watch what I start to do. And this is not complicated, by the way. This is as simple as coffee. Close the distance, social distance, sit six feet away, whatever. But ask the question, tell me about your pain because I don't understand it. Close the distance. Have somebody over to your house. I want to understand. I have a couple of meetings this week like this with people who are doing this and it's beautiful. I'm sorry, Satan, in your face. Amazing. People who are saying, I I'm struggling. I feel my own frustration. I feel my own pain, but I want to understand yours because, and I, yeah, great. I want to understand yours too. We cannot love our neighbors and keep 
our distance. Ask questions. That's a great way, by the way, to close the dis. Ask questions. Ask a lot of questions and then listen, realizing your pain is not my pain. I don't understand it. And then think about this. How much better are you able to help someone in pain when you've moved closer and you now better understand their pain? I didn't know that before. That helps me to take the kind of action that history and heaven will note for me. There's no excuse not to understand, not to move towards each other's pain. He went to him. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? He moved towards us. He closed the distance between heaven and earth so that he could feel our pain. And it's in that that our healing became a reality. And now he's telling us, close the distance like I did for you and watch what I start to do in you and through you all. Close the distance. Another reason I'd warn you, be very careful which voices you're listening to that are telling you like, oh no, their pain is gross and their pain is wrong and their pain is this, so stand at a distance. That is the agenda of the enemy, not the agenda of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Relieve the pain. As you get a better sense of my pain, as I get a better sense of yours, I must help relieve the pain. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 34, the first part says, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Pouring on oil and wine. Ah, uh, this Samaritan guy, I like him. Another one of those guys I want to meet. But he makes the nastiest liquid concoction, if you ask me. Mixes oil and wine and just lathers the dude. To which I say, ew. To which I also say, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> oil and wine, it, it, it was a common concoction. And it was used to do two things. To clean wounds and to relieve pain. <laughs> this is so powerful. This Samaritan guy sees his oppressor dying and bleeding alone in the street. He moves towards him and his thought is not finish him off, his thought is relieve his pain. And so he makes this gross concoction to carry out this beautiful, Gesture. Jesus is calling his people to engage the hurting and help relieve the pain. And it's not complicated once you become willing to do it. it it's simple things like 
expressing condolence. I never understood the pain until I closed the distance, but I understand it a little better and I just want to pour the oil of condolence and say, I am so sorry for the way you experience injustice, for the way that you've experienced inequality. I'm so sorry. And I just want to pause and say thank you to those of you who've spoken those words over me and over my family. It's been healing. I promise you it's relieved the pain in the Sinfukwe home. Thank you. I I'm so sorry for what your kids have experienced and the things you have to say to your kids that I've never had to say that to mine. And I never thought about it until I closed the distance to listen. And now I just want you to know I'm so sorry for what you've experienced. That's beautiful, that's healing. Because the alternative is to say, well, yeah, I mean, I hear you whining, but I mean, technically, really though? Express condolence. I would say simple things like peacefully protesting. I'm not sitting here and preaching like, oh, the church must protest. That's not the point. <laughs> but what I am saying is when you show up and you stand with people whose pain is not your own, do you know how powerful that is to say to them, you are no longer alone on the streets. We're with you. And if anything goes down, it goes down for all of us. <laughs> that is bringing healing to the minority community. And I can't wait for the opportunity to, to stand in peaceful protest with white brothers and sisters when that cause arises. So y'all can feel us saying, if anything goes down, you are not alone. We are with you here. That has such a powerful, healing, comforting effect. It relieves the pain of loneliness. It relieves the pain of feeling like no one understands and no one cares. Kudos to those of you who stepped into those spaces to show solidarity and support even for a pain that is not your own. Doesn't that sound like Jesus to you? Simple things like supporting our law enforcement. Men realizing that there is an army of incredible men and women who sacrifice their own safety for hours and they've been lumped in and they're being demonized because of the actions of a few. That hurts deeply. I'm not a law enforcement officer, so I want to move towards law enforcement officers and say, help me to understand this. And as I understand it, to figure out how do we relieve each other's pain? Come on, we can support our law enforcement officers. It's something as simple as, man, if you're on the drive-through and you see a law enforcement officer behind you, come on, buy their coffee. 
It's as simple as like, we're gonna go to the, the police station during the day, by the way, so you don't lose suspect. And we are just going to write cards that say thank you and we're gonna put them on their windshield. We want them to know that they are not alone. That relieves pain and it puts fuel back. It's not complicated. It's calling the department and saying, is there anything we can do to help you all? Relieve the pain. Um, it's as simple as silencing discrimination. It's been powerful to see, and as a black man, it's been powerful to see my white brothers and sisters get on social media even. And when they see a fellow white brother and sister say something discriminatory or say something dismissive, they get right on there and say, hmm, that is out of bounds. Because if I say it, I just seem like a crabby black person. But when you say it, it actually relieves. I'm like, oh, yes, that. And there's power in silencing discrimination. There is power in bringing about healing and the relief of pain even when you use your voice to publicly make clear that that is not okay. Whenever I see that, I feel a little more healed. Whenever I feel somebody saying something about my white brothers and sisters, I want to be the first to raise up and say, no, we're not going to, to do that, and to silence discrimination wherever it is found. What are some simple ways you can relieve pain? Because you're going to think of amazing things that I'm not going to think of. And in the coming weeks, we're going to try and provide a cheat sheet, just ways that we can practically and actively enter in. And would love to hear some of your thoughts and some of your ideas. Uh, one more thing. Um, be willing to, to pay the price pay the price. I read this story and uh, I found myself hyperventilating a little bit as I started to make a list of all of the things that this guy had to give and give up in order to help the person in pain. And I started to feel my own selfishness. I started to feel my own like, I, I want to love myself, but I don't want to love my neighbor the way I love myself. There is no loving my neighbor without paying a price. Come on, church. If we're going to show up the way Jesus showed up in our stories, it will cost us. And Jesus is saying, my people must be willing to pay the price for the healing and the hope of their brothers and sisters in pain right now, particularly those of color. Be willing to pay the price because it's costly to love your neighbor and church it is going to be costly for us to fall on the right side of history and heaven in this season it's going to be costly this guy in the story the samaritan it affected his schedule i bet you he wasn't planning um on this uh it affected his safety because the minute he starts to help, he becomes vulnerable if the robbers are still in, in the general area. It, it, it affected his resources. He paid for the inn and he paid for any extra costs. Um, it affected his convenience. It affected um, his effort, his energy. 
But heaven and history are calling the church. If you are going to love your neighbor as you love yourself, you have to be willing to pay the price. There are some things you may have to skip on your calendar to sit with folks in pain, to show up in places of solidarity. Are you willing to change up your schedule when you see pain in your world? Are you willing to pay the price relationally? I'm just asking because you most certainly will lose friends as you stand with people, as you stand up towards, you know, discrimination, as you tell your friends who you've had for years, I cannot entertain those jokes anymore. I cannot sit in those spaces. As you speak to some of your own family and you say to them, yes, I believe this. Yes, I stand here. Are you willing to experience some of the relational fallout, and some of you are already experiencing it. You have posted stuff online, and before you know it, you've been blacklisted by certain people because of what you've said. Are you willing to pay the price financially to support organizations that perpetuate and promote Justice. Are you willing to pay the price of your reputation? This is uh, a big one. Oh, man, you're a sellout. Look at you marching with those people. Are you willing to pay the price? Because I've, I've learned really quickly there's a price for everything. You say black lives matter. Well, you must be a liberal Democrat. Hmm. You must be anti the nuclear family. Hmm. Okay, now we know who you are. Now we know who you are, and there goes your reputation, right? If you say, no, I am pro-law enforcement. Okay, okay, so definitely Republican. Okay, I see how that is. I, okay, so that's, that's the side you, that's where you're choosing to stand right now. If you speak about white privilege, well, yeah, okay, clearly you're on the left. Clearly you're here. There is going to be a price to pay with a reputation, which is one of the reasons many of us refuse to engage. I don't want to be lumped in there. I don't want to be lumped in here. And come on, this is the gospel. This is Jesus hanging on a cross to be lumped in with sinners. And is saying to us, come on, won't you enter into people's pain even if it means you pay the price of a reputation? and some of the loss you may experience in that way. Stop being quiet, stop being safe, stop standing at a distance, stop protecting your reputation, stop making exceptions, love your neighbor, regardless of pigment, regardless of politics, regardless of their past. Close the distance, enter into the pain, and figure out how you can help to bring relief regardless, regardless of what it might cost you. That is the gospel. That Jesus counted the cost and he left the comfort of heaven, closed the distance, came to us in our brokenness at great risk to himself.
paid the ultimate price on the cross in order to relieve our greatest pain and bring us back to him. This season is just an opportunity for the church to live out what they've experienced. You want to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, then live the way that he did. And I cannot tell you sitting here how hopeful I am that the church will rise in power and that we will be willing to pay the price and we will be willing to close the distance and we will see the hints of healing in our nation even in the coming days. Are you willing to be a part of that? We're going to continue this next week and, and just talk about some of our own prejudices, some of our own issues, some of the ways we have been a part of the problem as we continue to take steps forward. Thanks again so much for being with us, and we'll see you next time. Happy Father's Day again, everyone. God bless, and we'll see you soon.